0: Welcome to the Wednesday, July 26, 2023 version of Memo by Gaia Legal. My name is Jackie, and today I am going to read another selection from this book, The Marvelous Pigness of Pigs by Joel Salatin. And the reason I'm reading this is let me grab my cards. <laughs> it's Leo season. Oh, actually, they're right here in front of me. It's Leo season. Um, Leo is ruled by the sun. And for me, this is speaking a lot, you know, by legal, climate change, global warming, how are we in relationship with the earth? And I moved from Texas to Pennsylvania and living in lots of farmland. I personally do not have a farm, but we have, you know, land that is very um, easy to grow food on, which is nice here. So um, these are topics that are coming up. And this was a book that was recommended to me by someone that made a presentation at our local church on sustainable living. And I thought that I remember him from the documentary Food, Inc. I was like, oh, I really liked him. And I started to read his book. So the sun, and then um, also kind of how are we making sure that we are getting into right relationship with the sun. And for me, at least right now, that's speaking to like, what is my relationship with the food system? It's been about for myself 10 years since I watched the documentary food Inc, which planted the seeds for me to go to law school at the time I was on the med school path, but I was like, Oh, there's a legal aspect to this as well. So um, it planted the seeds for that. And here I am estate planning And, you know, thinking about how can I get into right relationship with my material possessions and then support others in doing so, right? Um, But it always starts with you first, like I need to do what what I'm saying is necessary, which is hard because when you start doing estate planning for real, when you treat estate planning that is not just getting a set of documents that are going to sit on your hard drive or your shelf collecting dust, when you take estate planning... In a way that this is a lifestyle and this is a way of living and this is a mindset that I'm adopting, the, the my the world just starts expanding, right? The possibilities just start expanding and then all of these new places to direct focus start emerging. And for myself, you know, for the past 10, 12 years, I've gone to Whole Foods every single day. You know, today, this uh, this past week, I I go to Whole Foods because I have an emotional attachment and I just buy a drink just to go because it's a habit and there's people there like I appreciate the cashiers and all those things and I have some people that I talk to on a regular basis there however um yeah I didn't go today um to Whole Foods at all and that's that's a big step right I haven't gone as frequently as I used to and it's summertime here in Pennsylvania. So there's plenty of farmer stands and I can get everything that I need from the farmer stands, any processed, like, you know, chicken broth, those type of things I get on Thrive Market and come shipped to the house. Obviously, you know, that's not ideal, but it is a better place than where I was previously. So I think a lot of times, like when we're thinking about estate planning or any change, um, it can seem so drastic. Like I want to, I'm here at A. And I want to get to Z. And all you see is like the distance from A to Z. And really when we want to get from A to C, we should not be focusing on A to Z. We should be focusing on getting A to like A minus, <laughs> to B, to or B plus, to B, to B minus, to C plus, to C, to C minus, and so on and so forth. And um, it makes it less daunting. And so as long as we are making... Small incremental change and measurable progress, even how small it is in the direction that we are choosing, all we can do is every day give thanks for that and give gratitude for the grace and opportunity it is to have some agency over our lives and to have the ability to choose between two options and to move towards um, the option that we prefer. So today, uh, it's about integration um how we're integrating our lives with plants and animals kind of what that teaches us and so i have a selection here this is actually page 110 to 111 to 112 to 113 <laughs> somewhere in there 110 to 113 in this book marvelous Bigness of pigs by joel salatin i think today's wednesday um I think I can pick one more selection from this book for tomorrow, but then I'll probably move on to another book. And I was thinking just for Leo one, I have a whole bunch of books here. So I'm just going to do this until next Wednesday, Thursday. And then I'll move on to Leo two. And then this imagery here, which we can talk about at that time. So integration on integration. And let's see, where I'm going to start. I think I'll start on page one or nine. Okay, so if we simply cerebralize our relationship with nature, we can continue in a segregated segregated mindset towards our sustenance. Um, for myself, this is when I you know the estate planner wants to get into right relationship with my physical possessions, which for the most part I am. Um, I'm actually not a big consumer of things. I consume <laughs> the biggest consumer of things is books, like I buy books. but other than that, um, most of the things I've had for a long time, and we either donate to someone in need, or we yeah we give it away. Um, I think early in my twenties, I was really into a lot of trends, and over the years, I've been able to reorient my nervous system to not require myself to need trends to like feel satisfied in my life. Because I think I said this in the last episode, but our nervous systems are all regulated to a set point, and I think. It goes back to that, you know, example I was giving from A to Z, like we just have to accept who we are in the present moment, like whatever we are, even though we feel like we're so far from where we want to be or who we want to become. So when we just accept who we are and be like, "Oh, wow, I have like 50 books on my <laughs> 50 books on my shelf. I really want to get down to 20 and I just take an incremental step every day to get there and you have to also allow the nervous system to adjust because sometimes changes it's just a lot emotionally mentally spiritually both both on the conscious level but also in the subconscious unconscious level so it just takes a minute and it goes back to this cerebralizing relationship with nature so you know when i was in law school i was cerebralizing my relationship but it all starts with a vision it starts in the mind and then you bring that down to the earth and down to the actions and habits over time and it, it, it takes time. It's a process. You can't just like snap your fingers. And quite frankly, like the process is it's a quote, it's the journey, not the arrival that matters the most. Um, so what he is saying is we have all these visions and dreams, but we have to connect the mind with the body in order to make a reality. Going back to page 109. Yes, frogs and salamanders and wildflowers are cool and everyone should see them in their natural settings, touch and appreciate them. But ultimately, we can enjoy them because we've eaten something. We've taken nourishment from somewhere. I think too often we assume that nature is out there somewhere. We have to get on a jet and fly a thousand miles to some special place in order to commune with nature. So this is really interesting because when I was in my 20s, I used to have this like itch to travel everywhere. Like I just wanted to travel all these places and maybe it was a function of me being in my 20s. Or maybe it was a function of me like being disconnected from the land or maybe it was both or neither. I don't know. I'm just stating that I would travel at least once a month to someplace new. And that's where my nervous system was set. But the more I developed myself and I healed myself or whatever I was doing, I felt this need to like come home, wherever home was at that time. I didn't really know. I thought I was in the suburbs suburbs of Texas, right? to come home and to be connected to the land and the more connected I am here, like this is where I grew up to this land, like travel, even just going to an amusement park. I mean, I will go for the kids, but it's just, it doesn't get, get me excited. It's interesting. Like I have no desire to travel like to India or China. I mean, I see the pictures. I appreciate the people there. I appreciate the land there. That's their land. Like they're connected to that land. I'm not connected to that that land. The only land that I would like to visit is like the land of my ancestors. So, you know, I have Filipino ancestry, of course, but then also I do relate and feel more connected to my European ancestry, which is Scotland and France. And I would like to one day, like just tour the land there and see like what that brings up. Um, But other than that, like, this is my home and this is my land. I have no desire to really travel, which is interesting. Um, yeah. Anyway, says, but God says it's not about place. It's about making space for Him wherever we are in whatever we're doing. We don't have to go in a pilgrimage to a spot. Though <laughs> no, I, I desire to, we can worship and commune with God right now wherever we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree, but you know, I also to go see I just want to see in person our spiritual sustenance and God's sufficiency is proximate it's integrated and not segregated indeed neither shall they say low here or low there for behold the kingdom of God is within you this is Luke 1721 and Paramahansa Yogananda said a very similar thing he was um, an Indian yogi who brought in the 1920s early 1900s the yoga tradition to the masses in California. And he has uh, the center for self-realization or I I don't quote me on the name, but something self-realization center in California by the beach in the Pacific Palisades. Um, If you're ever to go, you know, Joe Salton says we don't need a pilgrimage, but Hey, sometimes if you'd like to (laughs) pilgrimage, it's over there in California. I don't think it demeans the spiritual truth to suggest that integrating food in our physical lives encourages our appreciation of this truth. Our dependency and integration with food and farming offer a visceral object lesson that we are surrounded, and dwell, and nestled in the arms of God every moment, of every day. And so, I don't know. Reading that is bringing since I was talking about California, so like farms and the lands just different everywhere you grow. And I just, I always had a connection to California um, for reasons that I, I probably know. But let's just say I have this connection to California and I remember taking a trip there down Highway 1 in Big Sur and the farms. It was like so cool because you were at like the Pacific Ocean, but you had like the cows grazing on the farm land that was right next to the Pacific. And I thought that that image to me was like a very surreal image, and very um, provoking, thought provoking um, at the time. And it's what my soul needed at the time, even though we <laughs> again. we don't need pilgrimage but for me, it was very helpful. Um, okay. So he says, may I suggest that before filling our calendars with soccer ballet videos, that we carve out time to visit a farm to build a food integrated vision into our lives. So this is a challenging statement to me because I, I agree with the statement. Um, and I think it's like as a mother of two in that kind of like society type of society where there's a tendency to pack kids calendars when oh, I, 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 I see the benefit, but I also like, also like see the risks of that. I want to find the right balance for my children. I think every child is different, right? Um, to find the right balance for my children, and I think that was a really important piece for me to grow up in an agrarian community, at least for the present moment. Because you know, when we come home from school, we stop at the farmer's stand and we see all the farms, we see the cows, we see the corn, and it's just, it's just different, right? It's just different, um, a different experience. This is one reason I'm such an advocate of local food systems. Again, I don't think it's a sin to engage in food commerce over long distances. The spice trade is well established, but the backbone of any community is a local-centric food system. Otherwise, we lose our most consistent reminder of how dependent and nested we are in our landscape. It's easy to disrespect food when we have no appreciation or knowledge for where or how it originated. It's easy to be ungrateful when it magically appears as goods for which we exchange a credit card swipe. We take food for granted when we don't see the sweat of the brow expressed on the person growing it. Most importantly, we miss the security of being surrounded by provision and sufficiency. So I'm going to pause there. Yes, it's so interesting because like I just reflect my mint plants out there. I remember a time when I was living in the suburbs of, of Houston, Texas, I could barely keep like one mint plant growing and alive in a pot by the window in my suburban home. And a lot of it, you know, I was overwatering and underwatering, and you know, there was there was not enough sun, and then there was like too much mint for the pot because it grows really fast and spreads. And it's just interesting because here the previous owner already had mint in place, but you can just see like how quickly it spreads because at the beginning of the season you had just this patch and you now it's like growing all over the place. And um provision and sufficiency, it's so interesting to me because I think about going to Whole Foods just to buy like a sprig of mint is a $3 in the plastic container. And now because I have it growing my backyard or I'm buying produce at the farm stand where they literally pick the produce the morning of, and they put it out for sale. And, you know, they bake the bread like the day before and put it out for sale. The level of freshness, and the quality is just so much different like for example like blueberries they they have this blueberry farm down the street and all they grow is blueberries and they pick the blueberries and it's just so like so sweet so different and you can tell now like the grocery store even the organic kind at whole foods it's just different when i cut the red onion from whole foods versus when i cut the red onion that was just pulled out of the ground here you can tell that the red onion at Whole Foods is old. Like, and I, previous to this experience, I did not realize that. Same thing with the herbs. Like, you know, I've been using the mint and cilantro from the backyard. And, you know, I um, I went and I saw the cilantro in the store and it's just like, I don't know, my mind was blown. And it just goes by like this idea of provision and sufficiency. I can't believe that four weeks ago, it was just a seed. I put in the ground. And now I literally have cilantro that at the store, I would buy old cilantro for like $3 or whatever that would travel on, a, you know, all the carbon emissions involved evolved to that when it's just literally so easy. It's, and it blows my mind how easy it is. I don't know why, maybe because I had like struggled so much with growing my mint plant back in the day. It's just, it's so easy. And um, another thing that I've been thinking about is like our homes, and that's going to be another book that I bring up um, in the next week or so, how the design and architecture of our homes, how it, it has evolved in alignment with societal, social um, preferences, norms, values. And I've been really reflecting on the kitchen, the just the standard layout of a kitchen and like a standard, you know, starter home. And just... The layout and what does that communicate to the mind and how can we shift the standard layout a little bit um, to promote the growing of local food. And I've been like really focused on the refrigerator as a point of not making sense from a design perspective. So anyway, these are things that I'm just working on, but provision and sufficiency. Any of that sound like a spiritual uh, overtones. Of course it does, all of it. Just to be clear, I put food in a different category than cars and computers, even books, although it convulses my soul to admit it. From the Garden of Eden to the ever-producing fruit tree in the New Jerusalem, God's affinity for physical sustenance as an object lesson of spiritual sustenance is palpable. We can live without cars and computers. We can live without smartphones. Although many people can't imagine such an existence, we can even live without books, although it wouldn't be a life worth living Uh, but we can't live without food it's necessary and I think God wants us to understand that our spiritual sustenance is just as important just as necessary He must not seek and embrace it but he wants us to know that he provides it and sustains us he is not far off I think when our food is far off mentally or physically we reduce our capacity to appreciate how close and special God is to us Putting attention on our food knowledge is not an idol that gets in the way of our spiritual understanding. It is a door that opens into a grander understanding of God's relationship to us. I always say hashtag truth hashtag amen because when I started um, taking better care of my body, like 2010, 2011, 2012, because I had didn't have to, but I was in a pageant and I started um, focusing on my physical health a little bit more. You start realizing different habits and different mindsets that are not necessarily aligned. And when we think about even in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, there are like prohibitions against certain food or like rules about food. And generally speaking, those rules are just like good rules of healthy eating. So it's interesting. Um, Integrating our lives with plants and animals based us an object lessons about responsibility, relationship, faithfulness, expectation, perseverance, diligence, and unconditional love. You don't get that from the Plastic wrap, Microwave single-service meal packet. You don't get that from video games. Most of Jesus' parables use plants, animals, and farms' business settings. At the time, plenty of artisans in metalwork, pottery, car- carpentry, and other manufacturing skills were around. Why not use more storage from them? Because animals and plants have living mediums, and they exhibit timidity and aggressiveness, boldness, and fear, death, and life. So basically, getting in you know plants and animals, they represent a more cyclical relationship with spirituality instead of a more linear. Because when you think about metal work, it's like you have an objective. You have a beginning product and an end product in order to sell. So it's very linear. And you need both, right? You need both. But we just want to make sure that we're not focusing on one over the other to our detriment, I think, is what is being said. The more noise in our lives, the more distractions and activity, the harder it is to hear the still small voice. We have to find a time, a quiet getaway, Even Jesus parted from the crowds to commune with his father. If Jesus had to get away, how about us? Do we get away from life's noise to go learn about our food, to go visit a farm or take an edible wild plant seminar? What does it tell our kids when we carve out time in our busy schedules to get away to the source of our food? How do we cultivate in ourselves and our kids a deep gratitude for God's spiritual provision? I believe one of the best ways to do it is with our meals. That means we don't just stop for a spontaneous, nameless, faceless meal. Of course, exceptions happen, and I'm not proposing a rigid code that keeps us enslaved and unhappy. I like a snickery bar as occasionally, too, but it's extremely occasional. God is okay with an indulgence once in a while. I like soccer and football, too, but we also must visit farms. We buy apple juice from a nearby orchard. We buy in bulk. We don't know every story behind every morsel we get, but we try to buy with a conscious decision, not just for convenience. Integration requires thought and planning. And this, that's, I think that's the key, right? Like, so there is like a privilege aspect of it. I recognize that, you know, I am in a a position where I have the like capacity, the time, the space to think about these things. And um, I think back to when I was a school teacher, like burnt out working 60 plus hours a week. Um, Yeah, I mean, all i did was wake up go to school work pay the bills go to bed be exhausted and do it all again the same day but i'll just use teaching as an example i think teaching specifically if someone needs to i'm going to speak about this in purely economic sense if someone needs to make money and they need some more time to like also reflect in their life I do think teaching is a good option because number one, we always need good teachers. Number two, there's alternative certification programs. It's not difficult to get in. And especially math and science, if you have a background in math and science, you don't make the best salary. But in exchange for that, you have time. You have summers off. You have a great holidays, right? You have all the school holidays. And if you use those summers and holidays Effectively, meaning you think about your next steps in life, you take time to think and plan and build up skill in the off times. I do think teaching provides a great gateway to something else, if that's what you choose to do. We first of all, we need great teachers in the classroom. And I always thought that like the most ideal model would be people before they have children, if that's the the path they're choosing, they should become teachers first in the public school system, and be mentored by elders who are also teaching in the public school system, so that you have that very young crowd, you have the older crowd, and we can learn how to raise kids before we have kids, so we can, you know, stop bringing kids into situations where we may not under, we know how to birth them, we don't know how to raise them, and no one gives an instruction manual on children there's plenty of research and plenty of books and you have to learn just like anything, just like we have to learn math, science. We also have to open a book or learn from our elders who know, not, not the elder that just happens to be in your family who has like four kids. Like there's all, you don't want to repeat cycles, right? There's research. We've done like thousands and thousands of kids across lines of diversity who understand like these are the components of a human being. And this is human mental development. This is human spiritual development, and to learn those things, um, because I think that would solve a lot of problems in society. Not all, but it would solve a big chunk of them. Um, anyway, but it takes, the, the key words here was like, it takes thought and planning. And I'm thinking about like, you know, I'm, these couple episodes are just, I'm just speaking about things in case it brings up any ideas for like businesses or these are, these, I'm pointing out problems. like These are problems that need solutions on local scale. Right, not going to legislate this way. These are local solutions that need to be tailored for the specifics of a locality, right? Like what the solution is here where I am is similar but different from the solution where you likely are. Okay. So, not only do you need to think about sourcing, you need to think about inventory and preparing. So this is like estate planning, like you're inventorying your assets, your inventory, all these things. Yes, that means we plan meals in advance. Um. And when I think about meal planning in advance, I think that looks different for everybody. Like, so I think about Myers-Briggs. If you have a sensor, S, yes, um, their meal, plan, meal planning is going to look very different from someone who maybe is intuitive. So, for example, myself, I don't plan meals in like the traditional way that's like propagated on Instagram and social media. Um i make my meals as i go like i think about it every week i think on like fridays i think about okay like what do we want to eat for the week um but i find the recipe and i make it the day of like because i like fresh ingredients but i only my meal planning i guess is that i only use one blog for recipes so it's like she's my meal planner um it's the half-baked harvest and she's my meal planner. Right? Like. That's my meal planner. And whenever I need a meal, I just go in there, find it, get the ingredients and then make it and then eat the extra, freeze it, refrigerate it. Um, But usually I do like the same meal, like two days, right? One is fresh and the next day is reheat. And then for breakfast and lunch, you just have your standard. um, It's all prepared. But I like generally eat the same thing too. So it's just interesting. So finishing up, we're aware of what's in season and out of season. Do you know what local farmers are struggling with right now? Too many tomatoes, too many apples. Can we take some slightly blemished product off their hands and can it freeze it, turn into salsa or applesauce? Integration means we voluntarily place ourselves as dependents into the provision of our landscape. We don't expect someone to deplete the aquifer in Colorado, to grow our grain, and to ship with militarily purchased oil to a feedlot that pollutes the air and water to be slaughtered to be disrespected workers to be transported via a refrigerated truck belching diesel fumes across the country to the burger joint near where we work so we can conveniently and doubtlessly eat, even if such convenience gives us time to read our Bible more. Oh, here's my, they're home. <laughs> I went for a walk and my kids are home. Okay, so I'm going to finish up. Um, when we provision our homes with locally sourced, consciously themed food, we surround ourselves with subs- uh, sustenance. And we don't need to fear disrupting war with our supply line, strike, or an energy crisis. So I think, you no, know, as a selection for today, the marvelous business of pigs on integration and just considering how, you know, how we can identify problems out there, but the solution starts in here with ourselves. And, you know, just giving myself as an example with my Whole Foods example and my intention to stop going to Whole Foods was probably a year ago right but it's taken this long for me to now just go to Whole Foods once a week because it just takes a long uh, for me for the mind body to adjust um that's in a no pressure situation right like if I felt like I was under more pressure I could have done it more immediate but um yeah we just have to think about how we can move from the visions in our head to the body and. Hopefully, those are some thoughts from Joel Sapleton and also myself, commentary on how we can start doing that. Because once we're in the body for ourselves individually, then we have an overflow of energy to create businesses, solutions, et cetera, to problems, um, to you know, massive service to others in our community. So that's all for today. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And I look forward to seeing you next time.